This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Welcome to episode 28 of Awesome Etiquette. Dan, I can't believe we're at episode 28 already. I know, it's... Beyond the halfway mark. Kind of awesome. It's kind of awesome. Our podcast comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Okay, so just quickly, because I know our fans are actually here to talk etiquette, and we will tie a tiny bit of etiquette into it. Free agency? Oh my gosh, what the heck? (laughs) Jimmy Graham is gone. I cried the entire week. I am devastated. Don't get me wrong. Welcome to Max Unger. That's wonderful. And and welcome to all our new players. But losing Jimmy Graham was like, it was such a shock to me. And he is, he's the player I always wanted a jersey of, and I never got it. I asked three years running for Christmas and my birthday, and it never happened. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Breaks my heart. I'm going to give you the best advice I ever got as about, about love and loss. In football? <laughs> as a teen, and it applies to football. Okay. Hold on tightly, let go lightly. <laughs> Care a lot, but it's let go so when it's over. Though. It is so hard. It's like what? Six foot seven, two eighty. Like can jump like what? Six feet in the air? No, I'm making stuff up. But it's I'm saying close. goodbye to Darrell Revis over here. I, know. I, I I understand. Perhaps the the most transformational defensive player of a generation. It's and I'm hard. holding on to, to every straw I can. We got Scott Chandler. He's a <laughs> tight end who's. He's an exciting prospect if you're into pass-catching tight ends. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just to tie it into etiquette a little bit, we will say that um, free agency can be so hard. And what I love is all the welcoming posts that I see going through my Twitter feed. You know, the NFL will, like, repost um, with the hashtag free agency. But what I don't love is, as we always say, no jeering, only cheering. So the burning of people's jerseys, not so cool. The Making of new jerseys, like taking your old jersey and putting someone's new name and number on it. Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> Good sportsmanship. It's an important part of, of competition today. And we, we hear about it in all kinds of different ways at the Institute. We hear from parents who are um, concerned that in a day of uh, these days of participation trophies, the kids aren't learning how to lose well or win well. Um, where everybody's a winner and nobody's a loser. And it's, it is Sometimes important. Sometimes you lose and you need to get used to it, but you don't have to burn a jersey. Absolutely true. Dan, let's tell them what we did on Saturday night because we worked Saturday night and it was kind of interesting. You know, it started off as work and I definitely, as I was driving down and stopped to get a coffee on the way, acknowledged to the barista that I was off to work on a Saturday evening. Mm-hmm. By the end of the night, it didn't feel like it work didn't. to it me. It was really enjoyable. We were we were auctioned off. <laughs> um, we, <laughs> much charity our, auctioned charity off. Charity auctioned off. We Our, our uh, uncle sits on the board of Burlington 
Washington City Arts, and they held a charity event a number of months ago. And one of the items he asked to be able to auction off was a etiquette dinner the with family. the posts. And it was with as many of us that could show up from the Institute as possible, um, which wound up being all of us except for Peggy. Peggy was mm-hmm. unable to make it because she lives in Florida. Kind of a good, good excuse, reason. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of our favorite jewelry stores, actually where my sister got her engagement ring, was the company that bid on the item. And what was really fascinating was that the um, the man who had done the bidding, the, I think I, I believe he's the manager of the store, correct? Uh, the two Part, stores, Philip. The, of the two stores. He manages the two stores. Philip didn't tell the employees who were coming to the dinner what the dinner was. So even throughout the cocktail hour in the beginning, they didn't know who we were. They had no idea why. Why is this Post family here? They all seem to be related. We're, we don't get it. Like, what's going on? And, you know, I wasn't entirely sure I did either at that point. <laughs> Had you not gotten the email? <laughs> no, I had. And that was the, it was the, the best call from Bill I think I've ever got at the office when he called to ask if if, if, you would if I would participate. Because yeah. he's explaining this, what you just explained, much better than he did at the time. <laughs> um, and could you be at my house for this for this, uh, this this dinner event? Yeah. Um, it was great because you kind of wonder. It's like these people know there's going to be some sort of surprise. And as, as Billy said, it's not a trip to Paris. But we do have an <laughs> etiquette dinner for you. We're like... Is this going to fall really, really flat? But it turned out they were excited about it. They had fun with it. Um, They all wished they had dressed a little bit up a notch, even though they didn't need to at all. Um, And and I thought that the the Evenish had a really nice tone and character. It really did. First of all, the food was fabulous. They had done the catering by Dale, which was awesome. We always love that. Your father raved about the fish. I know. Yeah, he really really liked the fish. Um, And then it... It really, it really was wonderful. It was like you had etiquette questions flying left, right, and center. Dad did a little talk. Which I thought then, was heartfelt and was classic Peter Post. It reminded <laughs> me of the toasts yeah, at the, um, at the, at the training fa- family events, gathering yeah. and the training events, sure. And then we did, uh, you, you, Anna, and myself each stood up and said a few words. And then it was kind of back to just table conversation. And it didn't always stick to etiquette either. Our table talked about igneous rock and, and, and the pie number day. pi. It was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was like we had a, a girl who was a, a math major and a um, and a geology major, and so the conversation kind of strayed in that direction, and it was kind of a fascinating conversation about a volcano that had exploded in Hawaii and almost took out a shopping mall, but then stopped inches before it. I mean, it was a classic geometry. It right. was really quite, quite, quite lovely. Dan and I get asked about small talk all the time. And truthfully, it was such a wonderful example of how easy small talk can be. I mean, here they were. The, the point was for them to be able to ask us any etiquette questions as salespeople working in a really high end arena, you know, how do we make our customers comfortable? How do we handle difficult customers? That sort of thing. And truthfully, we talked about that during the speeches, but we didn't really talk about that at our tables. It was really engaging small talk mm-hmm. about interest subjects that were really interesting to everyone. And I thought that that was, um, it was such a good example of how easy it can be, especially when I know nothing about math and igneous rock and I just ask questions or I told the story of one I was in an earthquake or, you know, it was like when you really think about it or when you when you start thinking about what someone's talking about, just ask a few questions. It'll lead you to a few examples or comments to be able to make. Who knows? You might even learn a little something along the way. (laughs) (laughs) I still don't get pie. (laughs) (laughs) 
it really was. It was a lovely evening. Um, I could talk about it all day, but, you know, that's not what everybody's here for. Shall we get to some questions? <laughs> Let's get to some questions. You're right. But there's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Let's get started. So our first question begins, hello, Emily and Dan. <laughs> I can't get away from it. Can't, I'm never nope. going to get away from it. <laughs> Time to just embrace it. Just they wrap it just named with us both all arms Emily. as a big hug and embrace it. All right. <laughs> Any hoozle. It really does. We have we have Franny in sitting with us today, who's the programming director of VPR. And, and we are pointing out that our script actually says, Any hoozle, to start this question off. Any hoozle, here's my question. <laughs> When is it appropriate to talk about my business? I recently launched a consulting business that is taking up most of my time, and I find that it is all I want to talk about. This is distinct from networking in my mind because the people I'm speaking to already have an established relationship to me. I don't want my friends to feel like I'm trying to sell them anything, but I also don't want to rule out the possibility. How or when can I go about bringing up my business to everyone around me? Excited but timid, Caleb. Well, Caleb, <laughs> I'd like to start by thanking you, as always, for your question. Any hoozle. What a great way to start a question. Phenomenal. I know. I'm really <laughs> enjoying any hoozle. In fact, I got to say, the question made the air because of P- Pretty any much hoozle. anything that Lizzie and I were talking about before the word any hoozle can lead us into this particular question. So, any hoozle, here's my answer. <clears throat> I want to start with a traditional etiquette piece of advice, and you ask about when is it appropriate to talk business, particularly in social situations. There used to be some pretty concrete rules about this. There was a a general guideline that at a dinner, at a social dinner that maybe had business implications, you didn't talk about business till dessert was served and you followed your host's cue. So the host would bring up the business subject and it would happen during dessert, during lunch, or these days the business breakfast or brunch, that could happen any time during the meal. The the tradition of waiting till dessert at dinner is not followed so closely any longer, but you definitely want to wait for the host to bring up the business subject. Now, if you're talking about a purely social situation, the Which decision it sounds of, like Caleb is. And I'm just sort of launching off from that yeah. traditional framework. Um, it's a little trickier. We live in a world of, of choice. And in a world of choice, it can be harder to know what to do because you're responsible for making more decisions. And this is one where you really need to, to put on that, that empathy hat and read the situation. It's entirely appropriate to mention your business, to mention what you do. You don't want to get into too um, involved or detailed a sales pitch in social situations. You really want to acknowledge that it's a social environment and a social situation and keep the focus on that. Here in America, we're pretty comfortable talking about what we do. It's oftentimes a part of of small talk, of social dialogue. Hey, what do you do? Um, <laughs> and it's, 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 a, it's a point of um, difference sometimes between continental or European and American manners. In Europe, you really don't talk a lot about what you do socially. It's considered a little gauche, a little inappropriate. In the States, it's those those prescriptions aren't as strong. No, it's it's low-hanging fruit. It's easy stuff to talk about. In fact, it's one of the, the first icebreakers that that people give you. I mean, it's it's as as easy as talking about the weather. It sure is. So as long as you don't get into that that heavy push or pitch or sale, as long as you're not 
directly asking someone for business in a way that's going to make them uncomfortable saying no, you're going to be in good shape. I just want to give you the advice, Caleb, that just like any subject, um, especially with people that you dine with, entertain with, socialize with regularly, um, you don't want to overdo it because they'll get bored. They've heard the conversation. They understand that it's it's what's going on in your life. And at some point, they're going to want to cut you off. And you should cut yourself off before they do. Um, so just like the wine guy that doesn't stop talking about wine ever and the only thing he ever talks to you about is wine, you don't want to be the business guy that only ever talks about his startup business or his business that he's so very proud of and excited about. Um, so I say give yourself that the, the catch-up when you're with people that you have met and have talked with this talked with about this before but after that you know start talking about a different aspect of it and don't always bring the conversation back to your business and how something relates to your business because mm-hmm. it's just not necessary all the time you want to be interesting and engaging to your friends and you do that through variety awesome etiquette gets support from Storyworth. there are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. I think that's really good advice. Uh, we hope that helps. So it's it's not a prescription. Feel free to go there, but keep it light and be ready to move on. Don't overdo the dosage. Any hoozle, let's get to our next question. <laughs> our next question begins. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I'm having a blast listening to your podcast each week. Yay! I'd love it if you can address my question in an upcoming podcast or point me in the right direction. I've stumbled into an awkward online dating situation. Recently, on a popular dating site, I received a message from a guy who didn't have a profile picture. Usually, I don't respond to guys who don't have a picture posted, but this guy's message was well-written and he seemed genuine, so I replied to him. We started sending messages back and forth, and we've had some good conversations and have gotten to know each other better. 
Eventually, he sent me a picture of himself, and you guessed it, I'm not at all physically attracted to him. He's really nice, but I can already feel myself inching away from responding to him. In this situation, my default mode is to do the fade away, where I slowly distance myself from the person without any explanation. I know this isn't the best way to handle things, but I'm not sure what would be better in this case. I think it was clear that I was intrigued by him initially. Is there a way for me to end this without it feeling like a cruel reaction to his photo? He asked me to meet up with him for coffee, and I made up an excuse. I feel like I'm wasting his time and my time by continuing to communicate on this forum where we're both clearly looking for a romantic partner. We could be friends, but that's not what either of us are looking for. What's the etiquette for communicating that I'm not interested in him romantically? Thanks for your help. Cheers. Anita. This is a really difficult situation, and it is one that it's unique to, you know, online dating. It's also, mm-hmm. I would say, unique to blind dates. Um, okay, that's where a good you parallel. Met. And this, I, I, I like the fact that she hasn't actually met him in person, that she's reacting to a photograph of him. Mm-hmm. But let's face it, I mean, uh, from the online dating experience that I've had, it, it is what, you know, let's just face it, you got to be attracted to the person. Sometimes that grows once you get to know them. Sometimes you know right away this isn't going to happen. And it doesn't mean that the person's unattractive. There are lots of attractive men out there that I am not attracted to. And Dan, there are lots of attractive women that you're like, nope, not going there. You know, it's just not a fit for it's whatever just reason. Not a fit. And um, it's OK that it's not a fit. And I think it's yep. okay for you to own that it's not a fit. I personally would suggest one of two things. And people are in different camps on this. So I really say that there isn't a wrong way to go here. <laughs> well, there is a wrong way to go, but I doubt we're going to suggest it. So one thing that you could do is that you've talked with this person enough. It, it could warrant just meeting up in person to recognize that you, you've had enough of, of genuine conversation that it's time to meet in person and see if there's any real chemistry. One of the ways that I have experienced this is by literally saying to the person, you know, I've had a good time talking to you, but let's face it, there's no way we can tell if there's real chemistry through words on a screen. So why don't we meet? No guarantees, but at least we'll give it a shot. And that gives you an out from the beginning. You're letting them know from the get-go, I know I enjoy talking to you. I just don't know if there's going to be that in-person chemistry that we're going to experience. Mm-hmm. And you're being honest and open about that. And this is the truth. You do enjoy talking to him. You probably have a good inclination that it's not going to be there. But maybe because the conversations have been so great so far, you want to honor that relationship that you've established in this way. And I think you should feel comfortable doing that. Without feeling like there's an expectation that there's even a second right. encounter. Because or... you're setting it up to say, listen, at this point, we got to see what this is like in person. And mm-hmm. that's it. And it's either going to be there or it's not. And that allows you to then say afterwards, you know, listen, I, as I said, have had a great time talking to you. For me, the chemistry wasn't there, but I'm really glad that we took the time to get to know each other. And thank you so much. You give that that message as well as anybody I've heard. I, I, well, thank you. You're, you're, you're talking to a fade awayer, <laughs> and I remember an you early coward, you. I, 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 guilty as charged. Um, in an early episode of this show, I remember you talking about being really upfront with somebody about yeah. 
about not wanting to see them again and not delivering that as a cruel message, but as a message that, that frankly is as, as humane as possible. It's honest and it lets everybody know where they stand. The chemistry isn't working for me or, I, you know, I wasn't feeling the chemistry. I wasn't I didn't find that spark that for me, I really need to be there or this isn't working for me once you've been dating someone and need to end it. And in some ways, that's really showing someone the respect that they can handle it, <laughs> that that you, you that think they the can handle thing. the rejection. You're not managing the, the, the you, tragedy Dan. of the loss of you in their life oh for them. Oh, my gosh, right? <laughs> and, <But> yeah. <laughs> not that we think Anita is doing this, but we do think that I really agree with what Dan said. Like there are, are gentlemen that I had a great time talking to that did a fadeaway and I was just like, you could have just told me you found someone else or you're not interested anymore or this online thing isn't for you or whatever because it would be a heck of a lot nicer to hear that than for me to spend two weeks checking my site trying to see if I have a message from you or not or and wondering, wondering what's, happened. what's happened because we had such great conversation. I don't agree with the fadeaway. I don't think it's the way to go. However, option number two for say, you. Let's loop option, back around. <laughs> option number two for you is to just let him know that despite the fact that let him know without meeting up with him in person that despite the fact that you've had some nice conversations, you've decided personally that it's time to move on in your online dating quest and that that's that's just your gut instinct and you're trying really hard to trust it throughout this process and you hope he understands. I think in the same way that you honor somebody by giving them that message um, after a first date when there's not going to be a second date and you're able and capable of doing that in person, I think it's also really important that um, you honor the person you've been discoursing and dialoguing with online in the yeah. same way. And it's so, so easy to take the other route. And I know that it's often done these days, that the fadeaway is a big part of the online More dating More common world, than the other. Where it's almost as if dating is a buffet. And you pick and choose and you walk by the buffet and you look at what you like and maybe you sample a little something. Maybe you just leave it on your plate at the the table and go back and try something else. And that it, it's so often the way it's done today. But even in that world of, of online communication, there are real people on the other end of these these back and forths. I'm just and comparing real myself emotions in and my real head feelings right now to are Jello impacted. on a table that gets passed <laughs> over because it's like mixed with Cool Whip or something. Some like people that. think it's spectacular. <laughs> Some people think it's ruthless. Was it any different when it was singles, bars and scenes back in the day? Still is singles, bars and scenes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, it's got this added added element. But I do think it, it is really important at any point in online dating to recognize the fact that you are talking to someone through words on a page. You're interpreting what they sound like, where their jokes are, what, you know, how they took something, how they didn't. Um, it's it's really your interpretation of them that you're falling for or mm -hmm. not falling for. And it's one of the reasons why even if it's maybe not not going great or stellar, if there's something you see in the person, I always say meet in person and give it that chance hmm. because it might just be a lot easier in person and and the online communication might be what's actually holding you back. So And unless you're looking for a permanent online pen yeah. pal, that's the direction that you're you're wanting to take right. these relationships. And the more willing you are to make that step, the more likely it is you're going to find that match. And Anita, I really do want to encourage you either either meet him or tell him that you've you've decided to move on to other people. That way you can just have that clarity with him. And best of luck. It is hard out there. It is really, really hard. And I hope that you find someone you really connect with soon. Take heart. Bon courage. 
I'm coming at this one from the grave. <laughs> Hi, Dan and Emily. I'm a huge fan of the show and look forward to new posts to brighten my Monday. Aw, I like brightening people's Mondays. Brightened my Monday last week. Right? I am curious as to the etiquette when one is a guest at a party. I am co-hosting a bowling party at one location and cake and refreshments at a friend's home for my best friend's birthday. Everyone on our team at work was invited to the party to avoid any confrontation, but shortly after the e-invitations went out, a problem arose. A person on the team, who the guest of honor is a passing acquaintance with, first sent another friend to try and get the party time and location changed, and then herself requested that the party location and time be changed. I responded that this would not be possible as the co-host, my friend's husband, and I had put a great deal of effort to find the locations for the events and plan something that the birthday girl will enjoy. I suggested that if she didn't feel like she could attend one or both parties of the event, that it would be understandable. The person rudely responded that people wouldn't attend because the locations are about 10 minutes apart and she plans on drinking at the bowling alley and other people would be drinking as well. We planned a 2 p.m. party as a fun no-drinking and non-formal meal event. I want to keep the focus of the party on my friend and the person in question is a my way or the highway type. What is the appropriate etiquette in this situation? Also, if the person does decide to attend the party, how can I mitigate the inevitable griping? Sincerely, Alyssa. Oh, Alyssa. <laughs> I sympathize. Brutal! <laughs> but you're so in the right. We get. I love it when we get to just say that. You, We're Team Alyssa! <laughs> we are Team Alyssa. You are dealing with a difficult party guest. And I, I think the, the, the best advice that we have to give at the moment is stick to your guns. You're, yeah. you're in good shape. It sounds like you're planning a great event. You're working with the guest of honor's husband. Yeah. Um, you're taking everybody bowling. That's awesome. Seriously. We love bowling. <laughs> um, you're, you're doing everything right. Continue to be firm. Continue to give your troublesome guests the the firm but polite response. Don't get drawn into a battle yeah. with this person that doesn't need to be a battle. You have the high ground and all of the heavy artillery. Um, yeah. This is your party, and and you can. I'm just picturing laugh Alyssa, if you like, want to. Armed with birthday cake and bowling balls, standing at the door, ready to crush this woman as she comes in complaining. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Oh. But anyway. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of a little bit like that. Yeah. Continue to be firm. Continue to stick to your guns. I've been working on this with so-and-so. Yeah, we're not and... changing the party for one person. And, you know, just this girl is ridiculous. If she wants to drink at 2 p.m., she can go to a bar and do it elsewhere.
And I and I like that if you don't feel you can attend, that's understandable. I mean, that's that's we've really done the the best that you can do. Yes, and Dan's right. Let's get to the language that we should be giving you. If if she has um if if you get the impression that she's trying to build a cadre of allies <laughs> to try to get to the party changed, she wants a drinking party. She wants it later in the day. She wants a dinner. You can always talk to those people as they approach you. Give them the same very reasonable reasons and and explanations why you're doing it the way you're doing it that you gave her initially and hopefully that'll be enough and explain to your co-host too what's going on just so that you have someone else there kind of able to back you up and support you on it and if they start approaching him that he doesn't back down either present a unified front they cover your flanks you did this with some with the with the honoree in mind and that should always be, be a stronger reason than anything that this guest who is barely acquaintance of the honoree absolutely the place yeah. to keep the focus Thank and at any time you find yourself <laughs> in in the spirit of the party thinking more about the troublesome guest than the honoree you can always remind yourself keep the focus there and yeah. have an extra piece of cake <laughs> <laughs> we hope that helps bowl a great game have a great time seriously i want to go to that party our next question is one with a, a little bit of a twist that it's Lizzie and I both twist. enjoy. Yeah. yeah, it's like this is like modern modern parenting dilemmas. Starts with teenage love and ends up somewhere on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> this question begins, my wife and I disagree on an etiquette issue and would like your opinion. Our 15-year-old daughter dated a 16-year-old boy for about five months. His family is nice and lives in our neighborhood. We had prior personal and business relationships with them, and they have another child who plays sports with our children. After our daughter started dating this boy, both she and I added him as a Facebook friend. About a month ago, this young man broke up with our daughter. A few days after the breakup, I unfriended him without comment or other communication. Our daughter waited about a month after the breakup, but also unfriended him, having no desire to see his pictures or posts. He did not make any inappropriate online comments or direct communication, but did tag our daughter in some old pictures after their breakup, which she found to be a little creepy. The disagreement is this. I believe that since neither of us was a Facebook friend of this young man before they dated and the relationship is over, unfriending him without comment is appropriate. My wife believes that the act of unfriending is rude and hostile and is concerned that the young man's family with whom we interact in other contexts may be offended, and therefore my daughter and I have acted inappropriately. She believes we should have changed his status to one where he remained a friend without us seeing his posts. We would like your input. What is the right way to have handled this situation? Sincerely, unfriending dad. Okay, a couple things right off the bat. I love the fact that it's the dad writing in about this because so often, and I'm not trying to, to gender stereotype here, but so often... Often we hear this kind of a thing from the mom, whereas a lot of dads are like, I'm not even on Facebook, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, but I do. I, I kind of love the fact that we're starting to hear from dads on Facebook and dads really involved in, in, in their, daughter's their daughter's lives. lives. It's like really cool. <laughs> Secondly, um, you know, it's really funny because our, our general advice is you can friend and unfriend anyone and nobody should feel bad about it. But how often have you heard someone say, oh, it was so stupid. He unfriended me after we <laughs> broke up. Like, oh, it was so stupid. This, I mean, really, what, you have to unfriend me? Mm-hmm. And it's so funny because I hear those reactions all the time and I can understand people's hurt. You know, I can sympathize mm-hmm. with them about it. But at the same time, I'm like... 
he broke up with you. He doesn't want to see photos of you. He doesn't want you seeing photos of his next life. Like it's you're not yeah. it's like you're not in a relationship anymore. It's okay to allow that to be a part of the breakup. I like the way you said allow that to be part of the breakup. There yeah. used to be space in this world to let a relationship go. Yeah. And it's nice to continue to allow for that space. It doesn't mean you have to. Even though and we're connected 80 million ways to Sunday. I, and, I, and, I, and I love the way you pointed out that in the real world, people get hurt they feelings get when they see this happen. This. <laughs> so mom's mom's approach is not an is an approach that I frankly, I've seen people take it with me. It's not all of a sudden you're happens. seeing about six posts on their their homepage. And they're all very general posts. You say to yourself, wait a minute, I'm no longer looking at this person's friend connected stuff. And I know I don't take it personally. I know people make a decision to go through and manage their social media in all kinds of different ways. There's been a birth in the family. They decide they're only going to share pictures with immediate family. Family. Then all of a sudden, everybody is in a peripheral sphere. They clean house. I had a friend clean house. And like a year and a half later, she tells me, oh, I realized we're not friends on Facebook anymore. And because we're now going to be going to events together, let's be friends. I was like, I didn't even notice that you Mm -hmm. unfriended me. That happens for all kinds of reasons. There's no need to take offense. People do. So there is that middle ground option of changing the status of their friendship to one where they see different elements of your profile. But what I just said indicates people notice when that happens too. Sometimes they notice nothing at all. You started in the right place. You get to manage your social media connections and contacts. And the the one big exception that we say is these communication tools really are meant to facilitate relationships and they're meant to serve relationships. And yeah. if you have a relationship where there's a, a reasonable expectation that you're going to participate in this particular communication medium and your sudden disappearance is going to cause people concern or alarm or even negatively impact that relationship, it's important to be aware of that and sometimes let people know what the reason is or why or what you're doing or just acknowledge the relationship that's already happened enough so that it doesn't turn into the fadeaway that we were talking about in the question about dating, where all of a sudden you just disappear and people don't know why and they wonder so about it. would you suggest that the dad had sent a message to the kid before unfriending? Because we've always said, like, no, nah, you mm. don't need to send a message to someone telling them that you're unfriending. But N- Not necessarily. And th- th- again, that's the real exception. If there's a relationship where it would be reasonable for that person to, to expect it of you. In this case, it's, there's been a breakup and someone would understand yeah, what's going on it's here. One, it's funny because it's one of the few times in our etiquette advice where we don't say you need to explain yourself or that, you know, an explanation or being open and honest is the right way to go. It's kind of like, nah, just take the action for what it is and try not to let it affect you personally. It's a little bit like the wedding guest list because it is, I think because, and by making the comparison to the wedding guest list, I'm saying that we tell people not to be offended if they're not invited to a wedding. They know a wedding's going on, that that that's a tough choice. And I think social media is a little bit the same way. You're you're talking about managing lists and that's the reality of the situation. So someone on the other end of list management, I, I, I don't think needs to feel too aggrieved or get too emotional about what really is sometimes just a, a, a ruthless numbers calculus. <laughs> um, so if, in this particular case, unfriending dad, you didn't do anything wrong here. It's entirely yeah. reasonable that you that you unfriend someone, particularly after a breakup, particularly when you don't want to be reminded of them on a regular basis. That that and and no explanation is necessary. At the same time, what your wife has suggested wouldn't be inappropriate either. Hey, and. It really is a personal choice for both of you to make. What do you think about the the daughter thinking it was creepy that she got tagged after she had unfriended him? 
not sure. It would I, depend to me on the picture. I can't tell if she's just being, and I hate to, if she's just like being a little like, like you know how after a breakup you kind of like try to try to th- be like, oh, why did you do that? That was stupid. Everything like, has a little more significance. Yeah, or you just kind of like you you put down every action of the person that you're mad yeah, at or upset. They're part with. of the same social circle. There are group circles that include all of them. Yeah, because it's like, and it could be his way of being like, listen, I. You know, normalizing. Yeah, of normalizing. Exactly. I'm not yeah. trying to exclude you by not tagging you in things. Uh, you know, that's and that's a I good definitely point. know. Yeah. I've gone through my photos like a year after I put them up and tagged people in them. You know, so it's not it's not uncommon. But we loved this question just because it, it did it, it it started at romance and ended up on the internet as Dan said, which is <laughs> such a great line. And and it also had the fact that you know they they have business relationships and yep. neighborhood relationships with this this family too. And so social media, (laughs) it's just one of those. It is one of those funny things. And what would you say if the parents of this boy then kind of said, hey, you know, we just seem like you guys really cut things off after they broke up. And I I would be absolutely honest. I'd say, you know, after the breakup, we thought it would be good to get a little space. But we still love having you in the neighborhood. And, you know, we hope to see little Susie at the soccer soccer game. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's just not that big a deal, really. Yeah. We hope it isn't anyway. Well, unfriending dad, we hope that that helps um, solve the dilemma or at least uh, allows both you and your wife to feel confident in the ground that you stand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next question begins, Dear Lizzie and Dan, I'm a big fan of your podcast and, as a college student, find myself in need of etiquette advice quite often. I'm going to stop right here and say, then please tell us what you would like to know, and we would love (laughs) to know how you love to receive your advice. Video, book, online article, podcast, what is it? How do you want to hear it? What would you do to find it? Okay, a little aside. I work at an on-campus office where about 8 to 10 students sit in one room working on individual projects on computers we all share. Today, I happen to be working next to a fellow student who is not only spending her entire shift on her cell phone, but also keeps sneezing and coughing directly on the computer in front of her without covering her mouth or nose. This behavior is not only gross, but it's also extremely inconsiderate to whoever will be working on that computer next. I don't want to offend her by saying anything, especially because she is not affecting me directly, but I also think her behavior is unacceptable in a shared workspace. What do you recommend I do? Thank you for your help and for your awesome podcast. Sincerely, Donna. Oh, Donna. <laughs> Ew, it's so gross. It's Naughty so keyboards. gross. Um, and this is such a good reminder to all of us that all of those public spaces that we operate in are potentially so gross. I'm looking at the microphone I'm speaking into now. Who used this microphone last? <laughs> Pretty much everything that, that we touch in the public world. I know some people that refuse to touch banisters yeah. in train stations or airports. Escalators, yeah. Escalators, door handles. Um, 
this is for me a real reminder that it's a good idea to keep your hands out of your mouth, nose, eyes, and ears after you've been operating in public spaces, that it's a good idea if you're susceptible to flus and disease to carry some hand sanitizer, wash your hands before you go to the table to sit down and eat and feed yourself, because this kind of thing can happen. It can happen without you witnessing it happening next to you. It could have been what was happening at the computer that you're sitting at before you got there. So the question of how you how you respond to it, you look at yourself and say, what can I do to protect myself in a world where this happens, Right. first of all? Um, as far as addressing the particular behavior itself, you usually don't have standing to address it. You could yeah. talk to somebody at the, the community center or the library saying, I just watched someone hacking, wheezing, and coughing out of the keyboard. Maybe they'll come over and wipe the keyboard down with something antiseptic. There's a good chance that that's not going to happen immediately or right away, but you can definitely let someone know. That might be the, the first best thing you can do. They might do something like have um, have the manager, since this is a work group, an on-campus mm-hmm. office, um, they might have the the manager of the office just remind people, hey, it's cold and flu season. Yep. I want everyone wiping down their machines after they're done their shift. Perfect. And yeah. and then then the responses or the, <clears throat> the, the action is coming from a manager, coming from someone who has standing to yes. address this kind of situation. And maybe it's going to be a good reminder for everyone, not just this person, but all the other people that are using those computers during cold and flu season. It's A perfect opportunity to also mention something Lizzie and I often talk about when the question of how you address someone else's bad behavior comes up. When I'm teaching business seminars, I remind people that whenever you point a finger at someone else, there's three fingers pointing back at you. (laughs) That oftentimes the answer is very similar to the one we just gave where you don't have standing to talk to that person right away directly. And it's a good reminder in that moment to take an opportunity for some self-reflection, to do some improvement yourself, that if there's that one finger pointing at someone else, there's three fingers pointing back at you. It's a good time to say, you know, am I really um, being as clean as I can be when I'm out in public? Am I someone that anyone else ever looks at and says, boy, you know, that person's just sitting there scratching their head over that computer. And I'm sitting here wondering about a rain of dander that someone else is going to (laughs) be dealing with in a minute. I know it's totally gross. Lizzie's just wincing right now. Man. <laughs> Sorry, I went there. I just um, ate breakfast. But the point being that 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 it's easier to see rudeness in others than in ourselves. Um, for me, my example is when I drive to work in the morning. Sometimes the person in front of me is going too slow. Don't they know it's eight o'clock in the morning? People are trying to get to work. Other days. It's the person who's packing up two, three, four behind me. And I say, don't they know this is Vermont? It's a beautiful day. What's everyone in such a hurry for? It's it's usually an indication about my mental state when I'm aggravated about someone else's behavior. So it's a good reminder to take a deep breath and, and pay attention to the people around me and be sure I'm not the one who's tailgating someone else or holding someone else up. So just a reminder, Donna, that we don't recommend that you actually speak up to this woman, but I would speak to your manager at the office and and have her talk to people in general about wiping down machines and possibly about not using your cell phones while you're on shift. And get yourself some antiseptic wipes and some hand cleaner. (laughs) (laughs) We hope that helps, Donna, and thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Take care. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. Thanks once again to everyone for sending in your questions. They are the heart of this show, and we really do appreciate it. Remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show, or if you have a comment about one of our answers to other questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your Awesome Etiquette question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show. Today's postscript 
has to do with an etiquette area that that might not be so intuitive when you first think about it. But today we're going to talk about the subway. And the subway came onto my radar at the institute we track um, through Google discussions about etiquette that are going on in the world. And we track media related to etiquette. And a really sort of fun article came up. And it was some uh, photography done by Stanley Kubrick, of all people. And it was of people riding the uh, the subway in the 1930s in New York and connected to this this photography was uh, links to articles and 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 comments that people had written about subway manners in the 1930s and what was so what was so striking was how similar they were to the manners that people are talking about today in January of this year the Mass Transit Authority in New York started a subway etiquette awareness campaign and i'm pretty sure that the article that i saw come across my desk recently in march is in response to that awareness campaign there have been signs that have been going up in the New York City subways meant to draw people's attention to certain behaviors and i definitely think it's been working because i've been seeing more and more articles about etiquette on mass transportation public transit so good work mta on your public service campaign it's working. And I'm seeing the ripple effects out there in terms of the media dialogue and discourse. And this particular article from 1930 reminded me of something else that I'd seen. It was a picture of people standing at a a bus stop in New York City, and they're all sitting there furiously typing away on their phones, and no one's talking to each other. And the the quote under the picture says something like, boy, you know, people don't even look at each other, don't even talk to each other anymore. And then the next picture is of that exact same bus stop in the 1940s, and everybody's standing there with their fedoras, and they're looking good in their suits and every single one of them has their face buried in a newspaper and nobody's talking to the person next to them. See, this is the thing is that everyone complains about, oh, nobody talks to each other anymore. They're strangers. (laughs) Like, what were you going to do other than say, hey, and just acknowledge their presence, which people still do even when they have cell phones. I'm not saying they do it well all the time. I'm not saying it's the best all the time, but frankly, people in the 1930s were doing the same level of ignoring the people around them that we do today. People are people. And as Joseph Campbell would tell you, we all struggle with the same basic human condition. (laughs) So our our actions and our reactions have some similarities. The the mass transit etiquette campaign that the New York City subways are doing right now address four or five major issues. Things like people taking up too much space on the seat, people grooming and primping on the subway, people standing with too much stuff in front of the door mm-hmm. is another really big one. I liked the one that complained about having groups of children on the subway during like rush hour, like totally main, <clears throat> main hours of use. I was like, like, really? Being aware wow. of commuter times when people are, are busy and are trying to get places. I know. It was just funny because, what, you don't think the mom with the kids has to get places, too? <laughs> like, come on. New York. I know. <laughs> um, it was a riot. Really funny. I found a, a similar set of signs done in the 1940s. They addressed all the exact same issues. The, the the character of the cartooning was different, but the topics that they addressed were the exact same in 1940 as they are today. Um, in a, a five-generation family business on etiquette, we often reflect on the cyclical nature of etiquette and how um, some things are changing all the time, whether it's a calling card or a cell phone. Some things really are staying the same, that people mm-hmm. care about how you treat them, that it matters. Um, this was a particular window into a world of how etiquette changes and it continues to stay the same all at the 
the same time because it happens in this venue, this contained venue of the subway. We're going to make available all of these articles through our social media channels, and I'm going to be posting images from various subway etiquette campaigns Mm -hmm. onto our Twitter and Facebook feeds. So the end of today's postscript is going to be an invitation to join me online in our social media space to enjoy a... Uh, a review of subway etiquette over the years as depicted in helpful etiquette posters from the New York City subway. So uh, I I hope you'll enjoy and uh, tell me what you think when you meet me online sometime a little later this week. Social courtesy does pay, doesn't it? Thanks. Each week, we like to end our show on a positive note by giving an etiquette salute to a person or organization out there who is really um, exhibiting good etiquette behavior out in the world and, and basically making the world a nicer place for all of us to be. And today's salute comes uh, from a listener who, um, her name is Faith, and she is nominating one of her friends. And she really thought that his behavior towards his, his girlfriend was something that was worth an etiquette salute, and we agree. Howdy, Lizzie and Dan. I love that we got a howdy. <clears throat> I hope you're doing well and that the cold isn't too overwhelming up there in Vermont. Just so you know, it is still cold here in Vermont. Yeah, this morning. This morning, Oof. it was cold. I mean, it was like, what, 17 degrees? Not fun. I was just listening to this week's podcast while making dinner and remembered that I've been meaning to send you an etiquette salute for a while now, so I had to stop and send it before I forgot again. I apologize in advance for all the vagueness with names and locations, but I would hate for the unknowing subject of my friend's awesome etiquette to somehow hear about it and be embarrassed. My best friend, let's call him Steve, an alias of his own choosing. So just so you know, her friend (laughs) isn't the one that she thinks would be worried about it. It's actually his girlfriend. Has a girlfriend who lives in another country. They visited each other quite a bit. And while Steve and his girlfriend both have great jobs and are highly respected in their fields, the economy of her country compared to ours means that when he visits her, he's comparatively rich. During Steve's first visit to his girlfriend's country, he knew it was important to her that she treat him as well as he had treated her in his hometown, and she insisted on paying for everything. But when they went out for dinner at one of the nicest restaurants in town, he happened to see the bill and immediately felt like he couldn't let her pay it. He told me, I didn't even know what the conversion rate was, but I knew that 1,000 units of any sort of money was a lot for a person getting paid in that currency. But he didn't want to imply that he thought she couldn't afford it or that he was richer than she was. He just knew that because of the currency conversion, the meal would cost him less than it would cost her. As he told me, he wanted to acknowledge that she was willing to spend so much on him but didn't want to be a burden on her. So now the etiquette excellence phrase I love. He convinced her to let him pay without coming across as condescending or giving the appearance of charity. He told her sincerely, it made me so happy that you brought me here. Please let me thank you by doing this. And she acquiesced. His thoughtful, respectful way of approaching the situation left them both feeling good about it. I was so impressed with his ability to take what could have been a situation that made her feel bad and turn it into an opportunity to show her how much he respects her and how grateful he is that she cares for him. Now, if only I could handle my own tricky situations with such panache. I'm hoping that between Steve's example of diplomacy and the awesomeness of the Awesome Etiquette podcast, I'll keep improving. Good evening to you both and thank you so much for your podcast it's always a bright spot in my week best faith 
Isn't that lovely? Oh, thank you so much, Faith. I really love, and I love how Steve did handle that situation. It was ex- it was extremely respectful and definitely worth repeating should you find yourself in a similar it's place. Definitely a little bright spot in my week. Thank you. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And remember that you don't have to stop with just us. The Infinite Guest (laughs) Network has amazing podcasts on it to fill up the rest of your week until your next Monday when we show up in your podcast inbox again. Don't forget, there's no show without you, so send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes, and better yet, leave us a review. Well, that is, if you like us. (laughs) Please. (laughs) On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I am at Lizzie, that's Lizzie with an I-E-A post. And I'm at Daniel underscore post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner. <laughs>